guys, let's stand up and praise the Lord. Be here, be now, be aware, and know who you're praising.
you believe that this morning? You believe in the name of Jesus this morning. The name above every name. The name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. The name of Jesus casts out demons. The name of Jesus heals the sick. The name of Jesus breaks every chain. Do you believe that this morning? Ah, oh, man, so amazing at the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for even giving us the opportunity to get to worship you in this place, to get to, to, get to come together with brothers and sisters and get to join together where, where your power and your presence multiplies. Thank you, Jesus. His word says one can turn away a thousand, but two can turn away 10,000. God's math is infinite. It infinitely multiplies and it makes no sense. How amazing is that? When we get into God's presence, so many amazing things can happen because his math makes no sense. How amazing is that? Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So, guys, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to get this thing going. Lord Jesus, thank you so very much for your presence, Lord. Thank you for the hearts of everyone in this place. I pray that you open their hearts and prepare their hearts for the message that they will receive, Lord, today. And, and I pray that they are changed. I pray that you, you speak to their hearts, speak to their minds, Lord. I pray today for a transformation to happen, a transformation in the spirit, Lord. Transform our hearts and our minds to your heart and your mind so we can see as you see and love as you love, Jesus. Help us today, Lord. So I thank you, Lord, and I pray that you just, I pray for your anointing to fall, and I pray that your spirit would just fall upon everyone in here and just just wreck their, wreck their day, wreck their spirits with your presence, Lord, in a good way, of course. We love you, and we give you all the praise, all the glory, and we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. glad to see the front row back full with all the youth today we had like we had like two here last week y'all were very missed right y'all were very missed so this today today is kind of like a continuation on last week right last week we talked about you know the big word of last year was intentional. The Lord says we need to be intentional for him. When we start doing things intentional for the Lord, he does things intentional for us. Okay, James 4, 8 says if we will draw close to him, he will draw close to us. And he's saying as soon as you start moving towards me, you don't have to look for me. I'm already moving towards you. It's an equal reaction. When you move, he moves. When you move, heaven moves, right? That's what he says. So he said, let's take the shine off the big word, intentional, and let's just call it on purpose. Let's start serving the Lord with purpose, on purpose. He created us with a purpose, on purpose. That's what he said. He said, we were saved. We were called to salvation for his purpose, not for our purpose. We can go and make plans for whatever we want to do, but if it's not the purpose the Lord has given us, we are wasting time. Do you understand that? Do you understand that, right? And, and talking about when I, I got to explain how when we went out to that Winterfest, 
I called it Youth Fest last time, and I meant Winter Fest. We learned about being ruined, right? Hashtag ruined. All the youth up here knows exactly what I'm talking about. Being ruined, okay? Jeremiah 15, 19, the Lord is saying, he says, if you return to me and speak good words, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. This is for everyone. If you return to me and speak good words and not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. He says you must influence them. Do not let them influence you. All right. We are salt and light. We are the light of the world. We are a city on a hilltop that can't be put out. So youth, when you step in, you're supposed to influence the world, not let the world influence you. Wherever you go, the spirit of the Lord goes. You don't wait on the spirit of the Lord to get there. You have to understand that where you go, he's already there because you're bringing him. That's what that's what's important. And we serve the Lord on purpose because of what he's already done. Right. Everything he's already done. And I've, I've said it so many times and we've talked about. Um, Isaiah 53, five, you know, I can get so passionate over that because I like even adding that when we do communion, you know, why, why do we do communion, the body and blood of Jesus? And he says, do this in remembrance of me. Well, what are we remembering when we do this? We're remembering the torture that he endured for us on purpose, right? And if he endured that torture for us on purpose, surely we could try harder. If we think we're trying hard enough, we're sorely mistaken. We are sorely mistaken because he says not one is good, not one. And it is only by the spirit of God that we can be transformed and cleansed by the blood of Christ. That is the only way. There's nothing we can do good enough, but I'm not a bad person. I'm not a bad person. But if I'm separated from the blood of Christ, I'm still not a clean person. I still make mistakes. It's only by the blood of Christ that I can be cleansed, right? And so we carry all these things. And so today, you know, towards the end of the sermon last week, um, the Lord just in it, he's, you know, we, we think we got to be perfect before we come to God. Well, well I'm going to try to get right before I start serving God. But God says he qualifies the unqualified there is no getting right apart from God do you understand that you can't even get right without the presence of God because it is only by the presence of God that you are made right do you understand that right it is only by that so you know the Lord says I'm not looking for the perfect I'm looking for the willing so today the title of today is not perfect but willing He said, I qualify you. When you come to me, you're not even perfect, even though you think you are. He said, but if you're willing, I can use you. He said, I will qualify you. I will put I will put my spirit upon you. And then if you're willing, I will use you. That's what he says. Philippians 2.13 says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I love that so much because there's so many reasons of why, why I can't serve God this week. You don't know what I did. You don't know what I did. You don't know what mistakes I made. You don't know what words I said. And then you got that person down there, the enemy 
sitting up in heaven in the throne room accusing like, oh, you won't believe what Ronnie did. The Satan down there talking to God. Right. And he's like, oh, yeah, you should have seen Ronnie doing this. You should have seen Ronnie doing that. Right. But our beautiful defender, Jesus, is standing there and he was like, I plead the blood of Christ. And the Lord says innocent because because by the blood of Christ, we are cleansed, not from from just this sin or that sin from all sin. We are cleansed. Okay, and then so when we're sitting there and we're we're trying to make excuses why we can't serve the Lord today, he says, you have no excuse because he is giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Don't you understand that God will give you what you need to serve him if you just go after it? It's not in your power. In our weaknesses, he is strong. When we go to him in our weaknesses, who doesn't want to do something for God? Who doesn't want to do mighty things for the kingdom? Who doesn't want to be written in a book like the other heroes of the Bible because you've done mighty deeds for the Lord? Who doesn't want that? But I can promise you it wasn't by their strength. It was by their weaknesses because just about all of them ran from what they were supposed to do. But I can promise you this. I tried to run. I tried to run far and fast. But it, God's pursuit is so unfair. You can't outrun it. You can't outrun it. And I traded. I traded that, that careless, reckless running from the Lord for something amazing that it don't even make sense. That I'm not, I, don't, I know. I tell, I'll say all the time. I'm going to tell you all. I'll be the first one who thinks I ain't supposed to be up here, right? But, but the Lord, the presence of the Lord says, if I'm willing, he will use me. So if we're willing, he will do amazing things through us. He will give you his spirit. He will give you his wisdom. He will put his words upon your lips and put a song in your heart and give you a passion and a burning fire that will do amazing. He will do amazing things through you. That is what he does for us. He gives us courage like we've never had. That is what he does. All right. And so if you are willing to discover and align yourself with his plan, right? His word says that we were brought to salvation for his plan. The whole reason you have been saved was for his plan in life, his plan for you. You were created on purpose with a purpose, right? And so he says, If you will align yourself with his plan and purpose, he'll bless you more than you could ever imagine and open doors and opportunity you never dreamed possible. Do you believe that? How big or small is God in your life? How big? Don't you understand that the only limits he has is the limits we put on him? We put the limits on God. He has no limits. He created time and he doesn't even exist in time. And you think that you're going to put him in a box and contain him. Well, you're going to be the one left without. You are putting the limits on God. It says he'll restore the joy, peace, and hope you've lost and show you the path to the accomplishment he wants in your life. All right? We, we think that... In our life, we make these plans for the things that we want, okay? And like I said last week, it may not be bad. It may not even be a bad plan, but good does not mean God. Good could take you further away from God, where God is going to make a way that it blesses everybody, right? When, When Jesus does something, he does it in such a way that it blesses everyone, 
I don't want to say it, but I want to say it. Yeah, all right. So me, me, <laughs> I wanted to save it for her, and, and this is going to be one day for y'all, okay? Jesus, his compassion is off the charts. His compassion and love is, is so amazing. We were watching The Chosen. We've been watching that, right? And there, if y'all don't know, there's a Chosen app also where, where it's free, and it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. And, and this was episode six of the first of the first uh, season, and it was the it was the wedding. It was the gift at the wedding, right? It was where Jesus turned the water into wine. And so, as the story unfolds, you know, when we read it in Scripture, we can easily dismiss that. Okay, so Jesus helped the bride and groom, right? He helped the wedding party. Oh, he helped. He helped it so that everything didn't fall apart. Okay, but when you look at all the backstories involved. Okay, the the bride's mother and father were very prominent. All right. And he already the bride's father already had an image in his mind of the groom's mother and father who were poorer than he was. Okay, well, by Jesus doing this, it says normal customs is you serve the good wine first and then the cheaper wine after everybody's had their fill. Right. And once once they start to get a little a little the right word inebriated and once they start to get a little inebriated. Right. They'll serve the cheaper wine and you can't tell. But after Jesus performed the miracle, um, he said, bring it to the master of ceremonies. They brought it to the master of ceremonies. And when he took a sip, he said, this is the best wine I've ever tasted. Right. And so basically what happened instead of them serving the good wine first and the bad and the, and the not so good wine second, the best wine was saved for last. Right. Because the best wine was saved for last. He commended the, the master of ceremonies, commended even the mother and father of the groom, because they're the ones who footed the bill for everything. And the whole time the mother's the mother's scrounging and she's trying to make everything perfect because she's worried about the mother and father of the bride and how they're going to judge her right she's so worried but what jesus did is by turning the water into wine and it being the best wine the father had a change of heart and the the wife asked him she said is something wrong he said yeah me right so not only did jesus change the heart of of the father of the bride but then the people the people who served the wine they were like they were like a modern day um a wedding reception type type uh what's the way catering company right uh, not modern but like a like a past catering company you know what i mean and so they rolled up their business would have been destroyed because they were contemplating watering down the wine to make it go further. Their whole reputation would have been wrecked. Jesus saved that and gave it to where they had, they were, they were known as great, you know, through the whole time. He saved, he saved the wedding to where the bride and groom weren't at odds. There was no issues. They, Jesus went and made it work for every different person who was dealing with that story. And then his disciples got to see yet another thing. It's so important, right? And it's the, the disciples in there, they got to see what Jesus did. And, you know, we, we need to serve God on purpose. And Jesus says, more blessed are those who believe without seeing. He said they believe because they got to see. He said, but more blessed are those who believe without seeing and you ain't seen. So more blessed will you be 
when you believe in him without seeing. You know, going back to Romans 8.30, I talked about it last week. And, you know, we, we put too much pressure upon ourselves. God says, I, I don't need the perfect. I don't need the perfect. I need the willing because the willing will allow God to work through them. The perfect will try to do things from their own strength. And that's exactly what I'm going to try to lay out today. All right. It says, having chosen them, he called them to him. Right. You are here because you have been called to him. That is why you are here. You're sitting in this house because he chose you before the foundations of the earth were formed. That is exactly what his word says. And you have been called to him. He said, no man comes to him unless they have been called. You have been called. Okay. He says, and having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. Okay. Sin completely separated us from the Lord, Jehovah. There was this void that we could not cross because of sin in our lives. But because of the blood, the sacrifice of your brother, your brother, the king of kings, because of the sacrifice of your brother, that void is now closed. And you forever have a relationship with Jehovah in heaven because of what Jesus did for you when you accept him. So you have been made right with Jehovah. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. And last week, just talking about the glory of the Lord. When the glory of the Lord is upon you, you can't hide it. The glory of the Lord shines so brightly, everybody knows it. When they see you with the glory of the Lord upon you, they know there's something different about you. And Jesus says, the world will know that you're his disciples just by the way you love, what you do, what you say, the way you act, the way you carry yourselves, the way you love people will prove to the world who you are. They won't have to ask you if you serve Jesus, if you're a Christian. They're going to know it by the way you act. Okay? So the Lord says, you go, you go, and he will get you set and ready. That's what he does. And leading into that is where I went into Judges. And so I'm going to use some characters in the Bible today that did some pretty prominent things. And one, extremely important. But the thing was, they weren't perfect. They still had doubts, but they were used in mighty ways. So just because you have a doubt in your mind, that doesn't mean you're any less because it's the spirit of the God. It's the spirit of God that qualifies you, not the way you act. It's not performance based, not by my power, not by my might, but by his spirit, says the Lord. That's what he says. We do things by his spirit, not by our flesh. So Judges 6 was was all about Gideon. Okay, and Gideon, he's just perfect example of not perfect, but willing, not perfect, but willing. He was willing to be used and Judges six, verse 14 through 16. And this is Gideon. This is God talking to Gideon. It says, then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Gideon says, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least 
in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. How many of you can relate to that? How many of you wake up every day and can say, man, I'm the least, right? Gideon says, I am the least of my clan and my whole clan is the least of the tribe of Manasseh, right? We can all relate to that, correct? But God's word says that the least of these will enter the kingdom of heaven. Who's okay being the least of these? I'm okay being the least of these because when I'm the least of these, God's power resonates all the more. And he can do more in a moment than we can do striving in a lifetime. He says, I can do more than you might ask or think. I can do more. Whatever you're thinking, whatever you're asking, he can do infinitely more than anything you ask or think. But it's only by spending time with him and seeking him on purpose that you will find the infinitely more. So right here is where we see the Lord prove that in our weaknesses, he is strong. Gideon, Gideon was, he, he, was, he, he, he said, I am the lowest and the weakest. He was hiding he was hiding in, a, I think, either a wine press or a threshing floor, threshing wheat because the Midianites, the, I did the backstory last week, but basically the Israelites were, you know, ever so often they would turn back to the false gods. They would serve the gods of the people that they were living amongst. So the Midianites and the Malachites and all of them, and they would serve Baal and Ashtoreth is who they, they would start worshiping. And so God was like, all right, well, he'd turn them over to the people, and the people would completely decimate them for a time, right? And so it was so bad that they would, they would plant their crops, and when the harvest time would come, the, the, the Midianites knew exactly when they were going to harvest, and they would come and steal everything and completely leave them with nothing, right? And the Lord just kept allowing this. And so when the Lord, what's awesome is in verse 12 of Judges 6, the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon as he's hiding and threshing wheat so that nobody sees and says, mighty hero, and calls Gideon a mighty hero, right? Well, here's Gideon saying, I am the least. What do you mean, mighty hero? Says, I am the least, all right? And he says, and God's word also says that through his mighty power at work within us, he can accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. But that mighty hero, right? My goal is to lay out for you today what he's, it's not us being perfect, but it's about us being willing. And if we're willing, he will do things that you can't even fathom through you. He will use you in ways you can't even fathom. And so going back to the mighty hero, when he called Gideon the mighty hero, you got to understand that God calls us as he created us. He doesn't, he doesn't call us as we see us, right? We may not wake up every morning and think of ourselves as a mighty hero, but God calls us as he sees us and created us. That's what he does. So he calls us mighty hero because your original purpose is to be a mighty hero for the kingdom of God. Do you understand that? That's why he calls you mighty hero, right? He calls out greatness, that's what he did. He created you with greatness. And he's calling that out of you by saying mighty hero. That's what he's calling out of you. Greatness, right? And he doesn't create mistakes. 
Do you fully understand that? God does not create mistakes. Every single one of you are an original masterpiece of God's creation. Every single one of you, the mold gets broken. There's no one like you. You are an original masterpiece and never think of yourself as anything less. Okay? So, thank you, Lord, for using what the world calls foolish. Right? Gideon. Gideon said, I am the least. But God says, I'm going to use the foolish things to shame those who think they are wise. He says, I'm going to use the weak things to shame those who think they are strong. So we need to get okay with being foolish and weak by the world's standards and be, be, uh, we need to be okay with just being foolish and weak by the world's standards, right? Because that's what he says, the world, for those who think they're wise, the world thinks they're wise, okay? And our kids, it's time to be influencers because the world's going to try to tell you that God is not anything, but it's your responsibility to go into the world and influence the world and show them who God is. That's what we're supposed to be, right? We talked about being ruined, okay? We talked about being ruined, and being ruined to the world is being, being wrecking the world for the kingdom of heaven. That's being ruined to the world. Going into the world and making a difference for the kingdom, no matter what the world has to say about you, because you trust in the Lord with all your heart, and you don't lean on what, they, what you see, because what you see can be changed in an instant. God breathes life. Do you understand that? God breathes life into us. It's our breath in his lungs, right? That's what we sing. He breathes life, and he can take a situation and go, and it'll change because he breathes life on it. Zechariah, that's where Zechariah 4, 6 says, not by my might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The spirit of the Lord is the most important thing. If we're not pursuing a relationship with the spirit of God, we are completely 100% missing out on what the Lord has for us on his plan, right? I said also last week, who knows the thoughts of man, but man's own spirit. So as I reason with that, who knows the thoughts of Ronnie besides God, but Ronnie, (laughs) all right? And that's all I know. All I know is the wisdom and understanding that I have. But who knows the thoughts of God? But God's own spirit. So if I want to know what God knows about me from my life, I have to be lined up with God's spirit, not just my own spirit. So we must seek the spirit of the Lord. Okay? And so... Moving into some mighty feats, right? And how, how Gideon just, he was the lowest and the weakest, but God did something amazing through him, okay? And, and I want to lay the groundwork a little bit of the story. So it's going to be a little heavy scripture at times, but Judges 6.34, okay? And we're talking about being led by the Spirit. He says, in verse 34, it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power, says he blew a ram's horn as a call to arms. So back then when you blow the ram's horn, that was a call to, or- to arms in, in the clans. Any clans around that heard it, they would join you, okay? So he, he'd do that as, as a call to arms, and he said, and the clan of Abizer, I hope I said that right, came to him, all right? And they come to him, all right? So in all, 32,000 warriors 
join Gideon at that moment. When he blew that ram's horn, 32,000. Does that, does that even make sense? Think about that. Have you, you know what I mean? Can you think you can step out the door and blow a horn and 32,000 people show up? If that, if that was the case, we'd have been blowing a horn a long time ago, huh? We'd, have, <laughs> we'd be blowing until we pass out. <laughs> so he stepped out by the Spirit of God, and he blew that horn, and 32,000 showed up, okay? Then going into Judges 7, verse 12, this is a description of what Gideon was fixing to face of the army that he was fixing to face, right? And it doesn't give a number, but if you can imagine, it was greater, far greater than 32,000. And in Judges 7, verse 12, it says, the armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts, right? And when the Bible talks about swarms of locusts, it's just it's a mass multitude where they swoop in and just eat up everything and destroy. They devour. That's all they do is devour. They come in and devour everything. It said their camels are like grains of sand on the seashore. Too many to count. Well, what does that tell you? It's more than 32,000 because they counted 32,000. But this was too many to count. Okay, so they were fixing a face in a very daunting just situation. Gideon was right. And so Judges 7, 2 through 7 said, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. And I'm sure if if it was me in the flesh, I'd be like, what? You've lost your mind, God. You're talking about there's too many. I got 32,000. He's got 32 million. What in the world? Right? He says, if I let you all, if I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Listen to that. Listen to that. In our weaknesses, he is strong. Right? God has given us natural strengths to use to do the jobs that we do. Right? Don't you understand that the gifts and skills the Lord has given you is not to be used for the world, it's to be used for the kingdom. Everything that we step into, the gifts that he gives us for our work is to open doors for us to step into environments, to be influencers for the kingdom. That's why we have the gifts and skills we have, whether it's drawing, welding, heat shrinking, (laughs) um, real estate. It does not matter what it is. Whatever we do, that's a door that God has made for you to step in and be an influencer for the kingdom of heaven. You take the gifts that he has given you and use those gifts, but you be light as you use those gifts. That's what you be. You be the light that Jesus has created you to be. And how do you, what's the light? The light is the glory, the glory of the Lord. It says that the glory of the Lord is the face of Jesus. And don't you understand when the glory of the Lord is upon you, when people see you, they see Christ. Who doesn't want that? The greatest compliment you will ever get is when somebody says, you look more like Jesus. I know there's something different about you. I know you're a Christian, right? You want people to see Christ when they see you because that means you're, you're doing everything you can to be more like him. And that's what we're supposed to be, more like him. He was perfect, but we, what Christ did for us, he said, I, I, you don't even have to be perfect. 
I just need you to be willing and I can use you. So, in our strength, we can only accomplish so much. But in our weaknesses, we can tear buildings down. We can, we can break chains, you know. We can break strongholds. We can run through concrete pillars in our weaknesses because the Spirit of God is infinitely more. Infinitely more. And so, he says, therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. 22,000 of the 32,000 went home. They went to the house. They said, oh, man, I really didn't want to have to do this. <laughs> God said, tell them it's all right. I'm not going to say, ah, oh, you sucker, you, you weak. He ain't saying that. He's saying you, you're welcome to go home because God wanted the glory. Right. When we let God have the glory, just he does ridiculous things through us that we know without a doubt that that's what God did. But what that tells you also, that's an amazing thing to let God have all the glory, because that's showing you that you are in tune with him. You're in tune with his spirit. You're not to say proud, like we're not to have pride, but you can be proud of the fact that you have been doing your part to serve the Lord in such a way that you're in tune with what he wants for you. There's nothing better than, than seeing God just, just being used by God, right? Divine, pastor calls them divine appointments, okay? There are divine appointments everywhere, every day. If you're looking for it, God's going to put people in front of you who need to hear a message from you. Why? Because you know the truth. You know the truth. And if we are not telling the truth, if we're not telling the testimonies of what God did for us, who is? You guys, right? All of you have testimony of what the Lord's done. And if you're not sharing it with people, then who is? The world certainly isn't. It is not. And so in our weaknesses, I love it. He told them, he told them leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. 10,000 fixing to go against 32 million, and I'm making that number up, okay? Because it probably it could have been less or more, not sure. It says, but the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. <laughs> there are still too many. I got off track a minute ago. I was talking about being divine appointments, and then it left my mind, but, you know, Last week, I got to say, I, was, I got used by the Lord. And, and when we're intentional, you'll start to get little messages from people. And, and, you know, I may teach welding, but that's not my purpose. That is a gift God has given me to share with people what he has done for me. That's what that is. And if I use it for that, I get more than just students. I get I get spiritual children, let's just call it. You know what I mean? Spiritual sons and daughters that God uses me to get to speak life into them. That's what the Lord uses me for. And so this guy, this guy, he, he, he messaged me and he said, he said, what does it mean to put God first and to serve him? You know, what does it mean? And so I shared with him in a text and I said everything just it means it means seeking God first in all things. Praying to God on purpose, 
talking to God on purpose, seeking his presence on purpose, going into your closet or into your quiet place like Matthew 6, 6 says. He says, go into there where only God can hear you, where only God can hear what you're saying so that you're not boasting or, or just trying to pray pompously in front of everyone. Go into your quiet place. He said, he will reward you, right? That's what it means to seek, put God first and seek him with all your heart, right? And so it led into my spiritual spanking last week, and that's what I called it, a spiritual spanking, all right? And if you ain't never got a spanking from the Holy Spirit, just wait, it's coming, Okay? You'll get it one day. So here I am. Oh, man, I, was, I felt good, right? I got, I got to be used by the Lord. It's amazing. I got to speak life into this young man. And I, I'm just, all right, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for using me with, with utmost gratitude. Of course, I, I love the Lord, and I'm so glad he uses me. But then I, I told the story of how I went home and and. I'm like, okay, babe, I'm fixing to go into the prayer closet, and me, me and Jesus going to pray, and we're going to knock this message out, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> and it's going to be bing, bang, boom. It's, it's, I'm fixing to write it, light it up, okay? And I go in there, I go in there and pray, spend time with him, and I come out, and I try to start writing, and I'm getting nothing. I had zero flow or movement from the Holy Spirit, zero from, from nothing prompting, no thoughts, you know what I mean? Because God with me works, and I'll go in there and pray. And the things we feed on is the things that the Lord reminds us of. Do you understand that? Why do we read God's word? Because it's the bread of life. And when we start to feed on God's word, when you need to prepare for a message or something, the Holy Spirit reminds you of everything that you've been taking in. And so that's what he did. And I'm, I'm waiting, right? I'm like, Holy Spirit, why aren't you reminding me? <laughs> and so I go in there to tell my wife, I'm like, babe, this is, I'm not getting nothing. I'm getting frustrated, like totally frustrated because I'm like, I need to get this done. Don't God know I ain't got time to be playing around, right? <laughs> and she says, how long have you known you were supposed to do this? <laughs> That's that. That's that beautiful Holy Spirit speaking through your wife, right? The correction of God, you know? And here I am, what Paul talks about running the race. And he says he runs the race with purpose. And he disciplines his body in such a way that after he's preached, he will not be disqualified himself. And so it hit me like a, like a ton of bricks that I got to preach to that boy and tell him why we serve God first. <laughs> and I hadn't even been in the prayer closet in months. Hmm. I couldn't expect God to jump because I wanted him to jump, and I spent one moment with him. He was like, where have you been the whole time? I went into that closet and thought I was going to pull God off the shelf, the top shelf of the closet, and say, God, let's do this thing, right? But he said, where have you been? We have to be intentional. And those are the amazing things that he does through us. And he uses us in mighty ways. And so when you come against just big multitudes, right? Think about how many kids are in your school. Thousands, right? What if God used you to speak to the thousands in a mighty way? 
Do you believe he can do that? He can do it. But the thing is, are you willing to be used in such a way that it changes the world? It wrecks what people see. It ruins what they're trying to do in the flesh and in the world. So. He told him to go down. uh, There's 10,000. And the Lord said, there's still too many. Right. And that that's even unfathomable right there. He says, bring them down to the spring. This is funny how he uses them and picks out the ones that he's going to take. Right. And so we when we think God don't really have a sense of humor. All right. He's fixing the judge who's going to fight by the way they drink water. (laughs) That's pretty awesome. Okay, he says, bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and will who will not? When Gideon took the warriors down to the water, the Lord turned, told him, divide the men into two groups. And one group put those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. So he's saying the ones who go and cup the water and start licking the water, I ain't even going to do it. But the ones who go and do that. Yeah, right. He says, set them to one side. And he, and he says, uh, and he says, in the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. You ever attempted to drink from a stream and just drop your mouth in the water? <laughs> uh, that's that's I mean, just thinking of that image is like, huh? I don't know. <laughs> like like you're hanging your mouth in the water and the stream just got, I think you would choke for real. Right? Because it's going to be running, a running stream, even though it's fresh water. I don't know why that mental image came to me. <laughs> uh, so it says, only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. Okay? God makes the impossible possible. Do you understand that? God took Gideon and 300 warriors and completely decimated the the multitude of Midianite and Amalek and people of the east. They completely decimated them. We think our plans, we see our plan and we rationalize by what we see in the flesh, right? Because if you think about modern day warfare, you take 300 people to go up against the army or think about the old days, like the revolutionary wars, when they would stand and stand in a row and you only got 300 and they got multiples, right? Like millions, let's just say. And you think that that y'all going to stand toe-to-toe and shoot at each other and then come back and reload, right? <laughs> when, when all they got to do is shoot, move out the way, the next group shoots. We look at that and we're like, dude, in the flesh, no way that's going to work. But God had a plan. God had a plan. And so God used Gideon in those 300 to defeat that entire army. By, and it was amazing because he took them all, all of the thousands that went home he kept all their stuff. It said Gideon collected their torches and he collected their clay jars, right? That's what he collected. And so the 300 surrounded the entire, the, the Lord actually told Gideon to go down to the camp by the, on, by the edge of the trees and listen. 
listen to what they were saying. Well, the Lord already went before him and started whispering little things to that Midianite army saying that, oh, the, the spirit of the Lord is with them. And, and, and it, they're already going to win. So that, that army was already on edge thinking that the Lord is with Gideon and they're going to do something amazing. And so the Lord tells Gideon to surround them. All 300 of them surround the army. All right, to surround their whole camp. And, and at the sound of the horn, they took the clay jars in the fire and they all smashed them at the same time with the horns. All right, I'm sorry. All 300 had a horn in the clay jars and fires. And they all blew the horn at the same time, making it sound like there was thousands upon thousands out there. And they all smashed the fire in the jars at the same time. And it sent the whole army in a panic and they they fought themselves. They attacked themselves, and that's what the Lord did. He confused them in such a way that they defeated themselves. The Lord says, I will fight your battles. I will go before you. You don't even have to. They defeated themselves. Gideon didn't even have to raise a sword. They defeated themselves. He makes the impossible possible. Deuteronomy 130. The Lord, your God, is going ahead of you. He will fight for you, just as you saw him do in Egypt, right? We've seen throughout the, throughout the stories of the Bible, we've seen where the Lord goes before us and he fights our battles. He goes through and defeats whole nations on his own. When the Lord is going before you, right, you have to seek him and serve him, but he's doing it in such a way that the burden is not on you. He fights your battles. Yes, we have a part to play. You know what our part to play is? Pursuing him, trying to be more like Jesus, seeking him on purpose. That's our part. You know, we want to do amazing things for the Lord. But the Lord says in Joshua 3, 5, for us to consecrate ourselves. That's what he's telling us. All right. We want to do amazing things and we want to see God do these things. But he all he's saying is consecrate yourselves, which means purify, purify yourselves. Get rid of the sin that trips you up. Get rid of the thing keeping you from serving God with all your heart. Get rid of it. And when you get rid of it you'll see him do amazing things through you, right? He says, consecrate yourselves to him and he will do amazing things for you and through you. Consecrate, all right? So God has laid out a simple promise. Simple promise. The one who seeks, find, all right? Get this, you can't find what you're not looking for. You're not going to find what you're not looking for. The one who seeks finds. Draw close to me and I will draw close to you. If you seek God, you will find him. If you keep going, you will reach him. If you don't stop attempting, your success will always eventually be guaranteed. He says, I see your heart. I see your heart. When you make that choice in your heart, say, okay, I'm tired of playing around. I'm choosing now in this moment, in this time to seek the Lord. He says, I see it, and I'm coming back after you. 
Put aside your hesitation. Put aside your hesitation. Today is another attempt. Today is a new day. Today is a new day. Today is the day the Lord has made. Today, you're one step closer to being who he created you to be. And just choose it. We have to choose it. So, moving into, you know, that was the willing part. Willing. Are you willing? Now, the not perfect part. Right? So, in Gideon, it says, in all that the Lord did for and through Gideon, it wasn't accomplished without doubt. There was doubt in it. Gideon asked the Lord three times for proof. He's Lord. He asked him three times for proof that he was going to use him. And, and what's awesome is the Lord humored him all three times. The Lord's not like, he's like, I can't believe you're asking me for proof. He's not so big that he doesn't know that we're not dust and feeble. And our minds are plagued by attacks of the enemy and everything. He's not so big that, that he won't be there when we need him. So first in Judges 6, 17, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, mighty hero, right? And they went through that whole spill. Gideon asked the angel of the Lord for a sign. You know, he said, he, he asked him to show, show a sign to prove that he, that he was really, it was really the Lord speaking to him, right? So Gideon, Gideon said, wait here. He ran home. He cooked him, uh, I think he cooked a goat and some bread and brought it to him, you know? And the angel, he's thinking he's going to bring it to this, to this Lord and he's going to eat it up, right? Well, the angel of the Lord, whenever you read in scripture, they don't, they don't normally eat. They burn it. <laughs> they set it on fire. <laughs> and so when, when, uh, when Gideon brought it back, the angel told him, he said, set it on the rock. So he set it on the rock, the food he prepared, and he said fire came from out of the rock when he, the angel touched it with the staff. Fire came out and completely burned it up, everything, right? And Gideon, I love, I love what Gideon says because it's, it's a reaction that we would probably have. And he's, oh, Lord, I'm doomed. <laughs> I have seen, I have seen the face, I've seen the Lord face to face. I am doomed, Right? We think when we see when we see the Lord, that's it. We're fixing to get wiped out. But when you when you line up with God's purpose, you just might get to see the Lord face to face. So then again in Judges six thirty six and four through forty, right? He asked the Lord two more times for a sign, Lord, give me a sign that you're going to use me. And 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 it's awesome the way he the way he did it, right? And, and I, I do want to read it. So in verse 36, it says, Then Gideon said to God, If you are truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me in this way. I will, and he's telling God how to prove it to him, right? <laughs> he's telling God how to prove it to him. And God honors it. That's what's amazing. He's not so big that he won't follow what we're asking, Right? But your heart has to be right also. Your heart better be right. If you're going to make a demand to God, your heart better be right with God. Right? You can't work in the authority you're not under. You can go around yelling Jesus' name all you want, but if you ain't under Jesus' name, Jesus' name means nothing. Absolutely nothing. So, he said, prove it to me in this way. 
I will put a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you are going to help me rescue Israel as you promised. And that is exactly what happened. And when he said, that is exactly what happened. And Gideon got up early and he squeezed a whole bowl full of water out the fleece, right? And then as if that wasn't enough, right? Because that could have happened by accident, right? All right? That could have happened by accident when we know there are no accidents with God. There are no coincidences with God, right? He says, verse 39, Gideon said to God, Please don't be angry with me, right? Please don't be angry. Just one more time, God. He says, but let me, let me make one more request. He said, let me use the fleece for one more test. You know, you think God would be like, boy, haven't I shown you enough already? He said, he said if this time let the fleece remain dry while the ground around it is wet with dew. So that, so that night, God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew, you know. And, and so, yet again, he asked God for a sign, and God honored the sign, right? You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be willing. Gideon knew he was the weakest. We all know that we may not be, we don't have, we don't have the stuff, to do the things that God is asking us to do, but not by power, not by might, but by his spirit will we have the stuff to do what he's asking us to do. Okay? So, and, and that's, I love it where Gideon says, I'm doomed. You know, he sees the spirit of the Lord, and he's oh, I'm doomed. I have seen the Lord face to face. And then again in Isaiah, Right? You go into Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6, the very beginning, is, it's a beautiful picture. Um, Isaiah gets called up to heaven in a vision, and he gets to see the throne room of heaven in this vision, right? And he sees the, the vast angels. He sees the seraphim, which are the beasts that are flying around in there, around the throne room, right? And as he's called up, verse 5, as he sees all this amazingness, Isaiah also says, it's all over. I am doomed, right? He says, I am a sinful man. I am a sinful man. We're, we're all sinful men and women. And so it's only natural to think when you get brought up to a place like that in God's presence that you are doomed. Jesus, thank you, Jesus, right? Thank you, Jesus. He says, I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. How beautiful is that? Because going on in verse 6 and 7, imagine yourself in this. See, you know, he says, I see the seraphim. It flies up to me and it grabs a coal out of the, out of the fire of the altar of God. And it touches, it touches Isaiah's lips. And he says, now your lips are cleansed and your sins are forgiven. Those are the moments. Those are the moments we get when we get intentional and we start looking for God on purpose. We get to experience those kind of things. That's what I want. I want, I thank you, Jesus, that you touched my lips with the coal and removed this just, just sinful guilt and disdain upon me and gave, blessed me with your word. Second Corinthians 3, 5 through 6. 
says, it is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. I do not stand up here and think I am qualified to do what I am doing right now. But my qualification comes from God. The wisdom, the way I speak, my giftings come from God. I am nothing on my own. Apostle Paul says I count all my accomplishments as garbage outside of knowing Jesus Christ. So everything I am, everything I used to be, every gift and skill I thought I had on my own before coming to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Garbage. And now I know that everything I am is because of who he is. It says, he has enabled us to be ministers. He has enabled all of us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not written by laws, but of the spirit. Covenant written of the spirit. The old written covenant ends in death. But under the new covenant, the spirit gives life. The spirit gives life in abundance. Hallelujah, right? Hallelujah. So, all right, if that's not enough, I got one more character for you. One more character who's very, very important in the Bible. Very important and still had doubt. Okay? So, if you're sitting there and you're struggling with doubt and you're struggling with guilt, right? That's the thing where Apostle Paul says, get rid of that sin that trips you up, right? You know why he says that? Get rid of that sin that trips you up, right? Because nobody else may know what's going on, but guess who knows? God knows, but not only God, you know. So if you're sitting there, eat alive, with guilt, you can't, you can't just raise them hands and be set free and praise God like he deserves because you're eat up with the guilt of the choices you made. So when we have doubt and we have things that are plaguing our mind, we have to know that if you're willing, God will qualify you and use you. He said, I will put my spirit upon you. I will touch your lips with the coal and cleanse your lips. Your lips will no longer be filthy. I will put my word in your heart and my word upon your lips. I will do these things. I will trade your your wisdom of only knowing things on the world for knowing the things of heaven. Ooh, that's amazing. So Luke 7, verse 20. John's two disciples found Jesus. And said to him, talking about John the Baptist, John the Baptist sent us to ask, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? This is after John was imprisoned, of course, because he's like, Jesus, I'm your cousin. (laughs) Are you just going to, you know, why am I in jail? John the Baptist paved the way for Christ. He paved the way for Christ. How much more important do you get than paving the way for Christ, right? 
Then not only that, in Luke 1, 17, this is describing John the Baptist. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. Who wants that wrote about him? Who would like to have something like that wrote about him, that you have the spirit and power of Elijah, the prophet, right? And if you go read about Elijah, the prophet, yes, you will want that wrote about you. I promise you. <laughs> you definitely want it wrote about you that you have the spirit of Elisha also because he got a double portion of Elijah's spirit. So you definitely want some of them bad boys. <laughs> he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. This is John. Then in verse 15, it says, it even says that at the end of verse 15, John will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. How amazing is that? Some of us didn't, I didn't really know the Holy Spirit until I was 30, 33 years old. You know what I mean? He was filled before birth. So don't tell me this guy ain't important. <laughs> this guy's important. Okay, he paved the way for Jesus. Okay, in Matthew 3, it, it, John baptized Jesus. This is all happening before he has doubt in his heart. He baptizes Jesus. And not only when he baptized Jesus, he saw, he saw the Holy Spirit descend like a dove upon Jesus. He saw it. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. But he's, you saw he said, and then he actually heard the voice. He heard God's voice say, this is my dearly loved son, beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. He saw and heard and still had doubt. How many of you have seen the Holy Spirit descend upon Jesus? How many of you have heard God's voice say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased? So don't beat yourself up when you have a little doubt. So, so what if you're not perfect? Get over the mistakes you made. Jesus said, Jesus said, they believe because they have seen. He said, but more blessed are those who believe without seeing and you haven't seen. So Joshua 1.9 says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's a promise. That is a promise that you will not face anything without God being with you wherever you go. But you have to understand that it's not always going to look like what you want it to look like, right? Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your understanding. In the flesh, your understanding might see something that's like, oh, my goodness, I don't want no more of that. But God says, trust in me with all your heart. He said, because that I can change in a second. That's why you trust him. He says, he is with you wherever you go. In Joshua 1.9. And in 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for God has not given you a spirit of fear. He has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. The enemy causes chaos in the mind 
If the enemy can get you to agree with what he's telling you in the mind, he has gained power over you. But if you know God's word, whatever you're hearing, you run through God's word. And if it don't line up with God's word, you cast it out. Take every thought captive and cast it out, right? You, you run it through God's word like pastor says. Put those rose-colored glasses on and run it through the word of God. And if it doesn't line up, you rebuke it. You cast it out. So, in closing, I leave you with this. Joshua 24, 14 through 15 says, So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. What is the world, ser- what is the world serving right now? Put away what the world is serving and serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse, if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Draw that line in the sand. And say, I'm going to choose today whom I will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. That's what he's saying. If God be God, serve God. Choose today. If God be God, serve God. But if God be the world, then by all means, serve the world. Not for real, but... But he's saying, choose now, choose today, draw your line in the sand and look at the way everything's going in the world. Look at how it's going. Don't be double minded. Don't be half hearted. Draw your line in the sand and choose whom you will serve. Y'all stand with me. Man, I pray y'all hear that this morning. I pray. I pray that that resonates in your heart because it's time. How long can we just keep sitting idly by doing the same things over and over, expecting we're going to grow more in God? Right? Like, like something's just going to magically happen. But he gave you, he told you in John 4, 8, I mean, James 4, 8. I move when you move. If you draw close to me, I will draw close to you. But if you keep sitting on the bench, I move when you move. So this morning, let's open our hearts. Let's open our hearts and let's, let's choose today. Let's choose today. Whom are we going to serve? Who doesn't want to be passionate? Who doesn't want more passion and desire for the Lord? Because that's what changes people. When you get a little unordinary and you get, you get people a little uncomfortable, they start doing and saying and acting in